Well, good morning, church. Come to you from my bedroom today. Unfortunately, over the weekend, I caught the COVID bug. Didn't want to share that with anyone, especially Jim with his big surgery coming up tomorrow. So staying at home, the family's doing well, uh, keeping them at home just in case. I just have mild symptoms. So thank you for your prayers and care and support and uh, hope to be with you soon in the future. So with that being said, enough about me and let's get into it. For those history buffs out there, you know World War I was billed as the war to end all wars. They told each other, if we could just get through this long war of attrition, this would never happen again. But we know that this was a terrible justification for a war because not long after came World War II. Today, in 2023, we see the same style of war of attrition taking place in Putin's war in Ukraine. Maybe we, for a second we had a glimpse of peace in the Middle East, but once again, that is spiraling out of control. World peace seems like something more needed than a contestant's line at a beauty pageant. However, this conflict isn't just true on a global scale. This conflict is true of our lives, between our jobs, our friends, our family. Interpersonal conflict is very real. On top of this, maybe the hardest conflict of all in the world's resolve is finding inner peace. With all the self-doubt, self-hate, or negative dialogue, the biggest war going on might be the war found inside one's soul. So how do we do something about all this conflict? How do we fight all this negativity? What does it look like to overcome this warring spirit within us? And I think the answer, the answer comes with a Christmas word, a Christmas word we call peace. Now, oftentimes we define peace as the absence of conflict. We tell each other, if we can just get through this conflict, we will have peace. So peace oftentimes for us looks like staring at the mountains, sitting next to a creek, laying on the beach. But you can only take those things so long before you get bored and you actually have to do something. Confession, one of my faults as a husband is I'm not very good at sitting on the beach. After about five minutes, I need something to do. I'm pestering Aubrey. She could lay there all day, but I, I gotta get going with something. Because on a deeper scale, as humans, we know we when we have no conflict, when we have no job, when we have no purpose, is when we tend to stir things up and cause issues. Let me give you an example that you know too well. Maybe this Christmas you want some peace or some rest. You meet with some family, and you know all too well that your Aunt Karen this Christmas is going to be stirring up some issues, and it's not going to give you much peace in your life. So here's my goal for you this morning. I hope you will find this sermon more peaceful than taking a nap. Now, I won't be able to tell today if you're taking a nap, so we're on the honor system today. But instead, on a deeper note, I hope that you will find this peace of Christmas is not just the peace from something, it is the peace to, and it is the peace for something. So let's pray about this peace before we go any farther. God, we come before you feeling this lack of peace in our hearts, in our lives, in our world this Christmas. This Christmas, we are in need of something more, something deeper, something more sustaining. So I pray for your spirit to come and fill our hearts this Christmas with a peace that passes understanding. That your peace would be the substance that heals the world and gives us purpose. So to that end, pour through me the gift of preaching that Christ may be formed in hearts. Maybe the most known Hebrew word is shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. 
For centuries, it has been a common salutation for Jewish people, but it is so much more than this. To start with, shalom is actually an engineering word. Shalom can be used as an adjective to describe something's completeness. So in Joshua chapter 8, they make an altar on top of a mountain to renew their covenant with God. And in verse 31, it says, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool has been used. The word for uncut is shalem, which means whole, complete, or we might say perfect. Shalom can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps or no missing bricks. This background gives us insight because shalom refers to something that is complex with lots of moving pieces that is also in a state of completeness. Shalom is the word translated for secure when Job says, You will know your tent is secure. You will take stock of your property and find nothing missing. Shalom or peace means wholeness or completeness. It is this feeling we have that life is complex with many moving parts. And if any of this is missing or out of alignment, then so is our shalom or peace. So to bring shalom is to make something complete or to restore it. And this is why it is so easy to see our lack of shalom in life. The story of the Old Testament, in part, is people trying over and over again to find shalom, the shalom lost in the garden. But people were at war with God, at war with themselves, at war with each other, quarreling and fighting. And unfortunately, the story of the Old Testament is not too different from the story of our lives at times. Israel was supposed to have this shalom with God, with each other, and with the countries around them, but they still can't pull it off to this day. Israel's kings were to cultivate this peace with other nations with by trade treaties and interacting and caring and being a light to all nations, but they never lived up to their potential. The potential of not being the good news to everyone. And God knew this would be the case. And so God had another plan to bring this shalom through Israel. Emerging from the prophecies of the Old Testament came the future hope of a prince of shalom. Isaiah chapter 9 describes this light coming in darkness, and he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Micah describes the Prince of Peace like this. He will stand and shepherd his flock in, strength, in the strength of the Lord, in majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. It is very clear that if us humans are ever going to live in peace, we are going to need some divine intervention to help us do it. God knew this too. And so God's answer to the problem of the lack of peace on earth came to us in the middle of the night with a chorus of angels shining through the darkness declaring these words to the shepherds. Luke 2 verse 13. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. The angels sing to us that the only way we find true peace is through Jesus. 
And I'm convicted this week because I keep coming across Christians in our community who don't have this peace. I had just another interaction this week like this. It's clear that these Christians aren't feeling this completeness or wholeness in their life. They're anxious and sad about most everything in their lives and in the world today. And the answer to the problem is very simple, but very hard to live. They're relying on everything else in the world to give them peace and not on Jesus to give them peace. I think we need to remind our, each other every single Sunday that the world is never going to give us peace. If we're relying on the world to give us peace, we're never going to find it. The only true peace in this world comes from Jesus. Jesus, in fact, puts it like this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. During the triumphal entry, when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a colt donkey as a symbol of peace, he rides in as king. Jesus weeps over the city because he knows their lack of shalom. In fact, in the triumphal entry, Jesus rides into town knowing he will take on all the conflict, all the wrath that the whole world has to offer, and he'll do it all in peace. The cross is Jesus' inauguration as the Prince of Peace. And so if we want to have the peace of Christmas in our lives, it all starts with having and being at peace with God. Paul puts it like this in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to God, making our commitment to God in baptism, choosing to love God with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength are all steps necessary in finding peace in God. So once we begin to become at peace with God, then we can work on our inner peace. And oftentimes our lives feel very anxious. They feel like they lack peace, that they don't have any shalom in them. But when we begin to rely on God to be our peace, then we can find our inner peace. It's explained like this in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. The clear path to inner peace is to take our anxieties to God. And did you catch what we have access to? The God of peace who transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Look at this cool Christmas gift I bring to you this year. When we take our brokenness to God, then God will guard our hearts and minds in ways we can't even understand. Supernatural ways. Try to think about this the next time you're feeling anxious. So going deeper, I want Jesus to explain to you what this inner peace looks like in John chapter 16. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So yes, we're going to experience the opposite of peace in this life. But through it, Jesus gives us peace because Jesus has won the battle with peace and war in this world. And so all this leads to maybe the hardest thing of all, living at peace with others. Paul says in Romans 12, 18, 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is what we are called to do, and this is difficult because it relies on both parties. And Paul's saying, you need to do your part. It's on you to try to live at peace the best you can with everyone. As followers of Jesus, we are called to create peace. We are to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, Ephesians 4, 3. And this takes a lot of work to achieve. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven and earth, making peace through the blood of his cross, Colossians 1, 20. We sing about peace before. Maybe if you've been in church a while, you recognize this song. It's actually a prayer of St. Francis's, a famous prayer. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. And so this is a challenge for our churches. And I can't help but think how healthy our churches would be if we could live this out. See, we're to work not to escalate situations, to stir up problems, to create conflict Uh, Sometimes we constantly need to remind each other of this. No, no. Our purpose at church is to work together, to achieve wholeness and completeness, to see that grow and manifest in each other. So listen carefully. If you miss this part, you miss the entire lesson today. Peace is not just the freedom from something. It's the freedom to something. Peace is not just running away from the raging wars in the world. Peace is working to find our completeness and our wholeness with God, with ourselves, with others. Peace is an active work that requires a great deal of intentional effort to bring about in our lives and to bring about in the lives of others. So now that you know what peace means, let me leave you with this final charge. I bring you back to Christmas. The angel's announcement on that night is profound because they are announcing the arrival of Arene. Arene is the Greek word for peace. It is an announcement of a new covenant, a time when God would bring peace to earth. Jesus is our peace because Jesus restores with his arrival our completeness, our wholeness, our broken relationship with our creator. This is why Paul can say that Jesus is our arena. It sounds like this. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law within its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Here's what is really cool. Jesus was the whole complete human that we long to be but fail to achieve. But Jesus came and he gave us this gift, this gift of peace, so we too may live in peace. And this brings me back to, of all things, engineering. Jesus is described in places like Ephesians 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as being the foundation or the cornerstone of faith. This whole or complete rock is what we need to serve as the keystone structure in our faith. Without this kind of stone, in ancient building terms, they, the house was built on the sand. They couldn't build it. It would not have a firm foundation. So let me tell you what Jesus is for us. Psalms 118, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Rejected, despised, misunderstood, but Jesus, our cornerstone, stood against it all to show us how to live in peace. Christ alone is the cornerstone of our faith. So this Christmas, while the world may not seem to be at peace, I bring you peace. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a Savior is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. May you find your Prince this week. May you find your Prince of Peace this Christmas. May he show you how he can restore the brokenness in your life and give you true peace in your relationship with God in your own heart, and your relationship with others. So will you pray with me for this peace? God, it is so easy for us to see all the conflict around us. 24-7, we can be plugged into the news, seeing all these conflicts going on in the world. We can be connected to our families at all times, our, our work at all times, dealing with issues and conflict there. We can feel in our heart just this sense um, where we do not feel peace at all. And so God, help us through the power of your spirit to turn from those things and to, to turn towards you. May we learn through the power of your spirit how you are our true peace. May we lean on you and may we trust that in supernatural ways we're providing this peace. So God, be with our church, Poncha Springs Church of Christ. Help us to live out this peace. Help us not to quarrel with each other, help us not to stir up conflict with each other, but help us to work through our differences and find peace with each other. May we be an example in our community of what it looks looks like to live in peace. So God, I thank you so much for Jesus, who took on all of this uh, horrible wars of the world and fought back and won in peace. So I pray in his name, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.